Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we record infrequently, but also want to have diversity in thought, but not division in community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this in every episode of the podcast when we decide to record, and I am here with my co-host, teaching pastor here at Hill City, co-leader with his lovely partner, Lacey, John Wagler. Yes. Hi. Hello. What if we just like made everybody think we never see each other, <laughs> and like this is the only time that we are ever in a room together? That would be weird. I'm, I'm just happy you could still do the intro it's it's in there it's in there i feel like it's like a weird yeah children's tale (laughs) like i feel like if i was under duress i would be able to do it or if you like if i was in that state after amnesia where or not amnesia anesthesia you know where you're like and somebody were to say do it i would be able to do it it's in my subconscious there's like a nursing home when they they play like old old songs and they just sing along like you could just always do the intro. When my dementia sets in, <laughs> I'll just recite it randomly. Or like like the old lady in a Christmas vacation, like when somebody asks me to pray and I'm really old, she says the, uh, what did she say, the, says the Pledge of Allegiance. I'll just be like, welcome to Stay Curious. <laughs> oh, John, how are you? How are you doing? Um, How's your health, which is supported by many vitamins and supplements? <laughs> yeah, long discussion at lunch today about the things I enjoy. Researching health and collagen. vitamins and collagen and colostrum, colostrum. and <laughs> antioxidants. Now, is it is it sorry. bovine colostrum? It is, yeah. It's from cows. Okay, you've said this yeah. before. Otherwise, how are you doing? How uh, are all these things working? <laughs> well, my allergies are gone. Allergies are gone? I would say like 90% gone. How does collagen solve your problems? It's actually colostrum that did that. Colostrum, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Collagen is the thing for joints. I honestly don't know, um, <laughs> other than like classroom does a lot of stuff with um, uh, like your stomach health and uh-huh. inflammation and um, has like a ton of like active ingredients in it. Mm. And uh, and so, yeah, it is. I have not been on allergy medicine in about a year. That's crazy. And yeah. it's been a bad allergy season. I know. This is so boring. It's so true. It's so true. And like, we are being so boring right now. People have waited how many like weeks for us to do another episode. And I'm so just true. like, how are your allergies? I know. Well, you know, it's, it, it is funny. Cause like we obviously talk a lot. Yeah. And I mean, we uh, work together. how many times we've like, we should probably podcast that. <laughs> and then and off it goes into the ether. Into I have been shocked at the amount of people, literally someone on our staff apparently fa- found out about our church from the podcast. Who? Jackson. Huh. That That's what his wife told me. Wow. She was like, yeah, we kind of found out about Hill City through the podcast. I was like, what? <laughs> we should do the podcast, if only <laughs> to honor our coworker and friend. <laughs> um, so with that, we really appreciate everybody's like continuous like positive feedback about conversations that at this point, it feels like we had a million years ago. I know. What did we start in 2018, 2019? I don't honestly remember. This podcast existed in the world before. Correct. In the old world. The old world. Um, so we're super appreciative of that. And we are also clearly, as we're making a joke out of it, apologetic that we don't do it more. <laughs> um, but we also don't want it to just be like, okay, every Monday, here's something new for your feed. And it's doesn't it's nothing. It's just us rehashing what the Holy Post is talking about or whatever. Well, and part of it is like, it's not like we make money off of this. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, it's I mean, like, this is something we just 
we also enjoy doing yeah. when we do it and then like for totally. our community and yeah primarily but yeah. like then yep. it gets out beyond that but you know so we want to like make a so who knows how much we'd do it if your large furniture company were to <laughs> or Casper mattresses or, or J Crew J Crew or whatever your startup vitamin business is right. your colostrum distribution colostrum business distribution. would like Armra. to sponsor us yeah we could be paid to do all sorts of things <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we are going to kind of finally which we've been talking about doing this finally dive into having some supplemental kind of content for the sermon series that we're in the middle of right mm -hmm. now at our church. So if you don't go to our church, you can go check that out at hillcityrva.com. We are in the middle of a series called Revelation mm -hmm. about the book of Revelation. Correct. Revelation. Shin. Not shins. Exactly. Um, and this past week, uh, John got up on stage in front of a bunch of people and said, America is not a Christian nation. So that feels <laughs> like it warranted conversation. For some of you, no. For some of you, it's like, yeah, old news. I read Greg Boyd's book. I read... Uh, Revelation for the rest of us. Sure. I listen to X, Y, Z. For some of you, that's very passe. Yeah. Um, for our community, it feels like it could use some unpacking. Yeah. Um, and so one way that we thought we could unpack this today would be to actually ask the question, is there a Christian nation? Like if America is not one, can there be one? Has there ever been one? Yeah. And what would it look like if there was one? Yeah. Um, so we'll also kind of catch you all up on where we're at in the sermon series. Um Give, give us an opportunity to kind of say, here are some highlights from what we've been talking about or maybe things that stick out from John about his teaching notes or, or whatever. So we'll kind of spend the first part getting you caught up and then the next part just kind of unpacking this thought experiment of like, what would a Christian nation look like? Is there one? Could we be one? Have we ever been one? And is there one out there? Um, but before we do that, we are going to do our... Uh, not so new anymore um, segment where we talk about things that just get under our skin and stay there. Uh, and it's called stay, stay furious. Fu okay. I'll go first. Cause mine's weird. Um, everything. <laughs> I was, I was taught, I, I met with a mentor of mine the other day. Uh, and she was like, how are you doing? And I was like, I don't know how to answer that. And I know that has a negative connotation, like, oh my gosh, you're really not doing good. But I didn't feel particularly heightened during this conversation. So, so she did the thing that she would do. And she literally looked the feelings wheel, you yeah. know, the like emotions wheel oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> up on her phone and she stuck it in my face. <laughs> and I was looking at it and I was like, man, I'm pretty angry. And she's like, really? You don't seem angry. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm real angry. She's like, what are you angry about? I'm like, I don't know. So I'm kind of like going back to our voices of the heart thing, just getting in touch with the core, in general, furiosity, <laughs> like the core sure. feeling of anger and just kind of being okay with it. Like I'm not, I don't think I'm acting out or anything. I haven't been weird around the office, yeah. I don't think. But I'm just kind of realizing like, man, I'm mad. I'm so mad <laughs> about everything. I have, yeah, and just everything is on my nerves, and I can't figure out what it is. Something happened the other day where I was like, oh, <laughs> like Cat, my son Cash, like just didn't eat his whole lunch that I packed for him. And it was like totally fine. I packed him a turkey sandwich for the third day in a row. Right. It was a totally normal toilet We've all been thing there. to do. Yeah. And I was just like, <sighs> <laughs> literally to the point where I had to like take a walk. And I was like, just eat your lunch. And then last night, one of the kids jumped on our bed, and I was like, 
I can't buy another bed. We're <laughs> just like, whoa. And my kids are at the age where they can like know when I'm sort of when they're like, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> just like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm like not watching a lot of news. So I'm trying to, maybe that's my curiosity is when people say to me, did you hear about the, right. I'm like, no. And I don't want to <laughs> like you hear what happened at the debate the other night. I'm like, no, if for a good reason, yeah. I've curated myself to not know what's <laughs> happening. Uh, that's the closest thing I can come up with. I know everything is not a real answer, but so, yeah. uh, maybe like, trying to be off of social media and news and still having it thrown at me on a regular basis. It's like, like I'm trying not to eat sugar. Would you like this donut? No. <laughs> Stop. Stop. What about you? I don't know. I, that's why I had to go first. I, I, there's, um, you know, our kids are back in school mm-hmm. and, uh, which is great. And I was watching this video the other day cause I, there were, there was some frustration boiling over in our home around homework Mm. and that bleeds over into parenting because you're just like because you get annoyed like the homework's not done and like yeah. you yep. know like all sort of stuff but i was like laughing because there's this video of this guy i don't know who it was mm-hmm. but it was funny he was like talking about how he refused to help his kids with homework <laughs> so and um well he told his teachers like don't send homework home like mm. teach them all what they need to know on their school day because mm. when they come home, we have a family and I want them to be a family and have fun with a family. Mm. I don't want them b- to bring home schoolwork. Mm. And uh, and so he was like, it was like an interesting like perspective, mm. honestly. And, uh, and, but he also said, he goes, I don't send them to school with dishes that they didn't do. <laughs> I'd kind of like, I like shade at homework. I, I, I will throw shade at homework. So too. I thought it was like an interesting thing. So there was like a, we've had like points of frustration just around homework a little bit, yeah. you know, and then, um, but anyway, that was so just like a fun if, little caveat. Look, if you're a younger listener, homework doesn't get any less frustrating, even when it's not your homework. <laughs> guess what? You're probably not going to need any of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Go, boy, we're doing good work here on the parenting front, <laughs> parenting our podcast listeners. Um, cool. Well, we're going to take a really quick break and then come back and talk a little bit about Revelation, um, but mostly try to answer this question of, is there such a thing as a Christian nation? Y'all know we stay curious over here. Okay. John, you really outed yourself this week <laughs> as a... <laughs> Anti-American, <laughs> anti. Yeah. I hate. You did a pre- you did a pretty good job of not doing that. Um, I am maybe this should have been my stay furious. I'm very resentful that you're stealing my thing. <laughs> this is like my whole thing. I have a whole band about it. And I do it in a nicer are. way. Yeah, you're a little nicer about it. I tend to raise my voice. <laughs> um, but before we get into the like specifics of this idea of like is America one one theme has been that you have been pretty straight about is like. like revelation is for the people that it was written for and also for us. Yeah. Um, It's not necessarily a predictor of this war or that economic crisis. Um, But when we talk about Babylon, we need to understand that America is a Babylon. Correct. And Russia's Babylon and China, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, But in your own words, kind of what's been the tagline for how you've tried to help people like engage with, with this book. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a, um, I'm going to look it up here just while we're talking. Cause there, I'm going to actually read a quote from Michael Gorman this week, um, in, in the sermon that I think is a good, uh, 
um, a way to think about it. He says this, he says, Revelation is a manifesto against civil religion and a summons to uncivil worship and witness. Mm. And I love that quote because essentially what he's saying is, hey, like there's a civil religion that gets established in every empire. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you could just go back and I mean, yeah. research any empire. Yeah. And, like that's what happens. Yeah. And historically, then what we see is like God is always like pushing his people Mm-hmm. to not do that mm-hmm. <laughs> basically yeah. and so what revelation then becomes is like how do we live out our faith in babylon mm-hmm. right how do we how do we be a dissenter mm-hmm. um and and I, when i say dissenter i don't mean angry i don't mean mm-hmm. isolated i don't mean any of those things but how do we be a dissenter against mm-hmm. the ways of the empire yeah. that we live in yeah how have you and and the thing that you keep saying is when people are Especially, you know, sort of being aware that we are, for better or worse, we're not, we did not start a church in like um, Amsterdam or something. Like we are not yet a post-Christian nation. Sure. Or at least the people we're talking to, people your age, people my age, maybe even people younger, gen, you know, older Gen Zers, were raised in like the context of like yeah. some form of Christianity, yeah. especially in the South. So you're talking to people who know what the left behind series is. You're talking to people who know, who've heard this sermon or that, or that speaker or this band or whatever. And one thing you've kept saying is like, while when you think about how to think about revelation is to stay grounded, the gospel works. Right. Like if you hear this prediction or you're unpacking that YouTuber or whatever, you've, we've one, we've kind of said like, don't <laughs> like, stop watching the YouTuber or whatever. But, um, you know, this book or that thing, yeah. just stay grounded. The gospel works. Yeah. Um, is there more that you want to say about that? <laughs> if not, that's okay. Well, no, I think, I mean, that's what, uh, the reason why I keep saying that is because, you know, they do research around fear right now. And, uh, in particular for Christians, um, it, it's, uh, at the higher levels, like there have been moments where it's been a little higher, uh, but it's, in the upper echelon of higher highest levels of rated fear. Mm-hmm. And uh, we only get to those places of fear when something else is taken over what mm-hmm. we really have hope in, right? Like mm-hmm. if you, if, if we really hold true to the gospel and that this all thing works and that we have trust in God and we, mm-hmm. he's going to provide and mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. You can live your life that way. Mm-hmm. Not that you won't be concerned about things or aware of things or anything like that, but you can live your life out of a place of hope and optimism, mm. you know? And, um, but when you're looking around and you're seeing all this data that is like showing that even for Christians, it, and even technically Christians are better than non mm-hmm. <laughs> like in around this, but the level of fear is so high mm-hmm. and you begin to see, I've actually wondered, you know, uh, recently seen like several books written on revelation. Mm. Um, I've heard so so many different people talking about it recently. And I think there's something around this book that is very prevalent for, um, for Christians. Like, um, I'll actually say this this week in the sermon, but like we neglect to actually know and remember that like John repeatedly says that this, these are words from Jesus. Mm Yeah, like, like we look to the gospels for that all the time. We kind of hold fast mm. to what he taught there, but it's like these words are also from Jesus, and yeah. we neglect that a yeah. lot. And they're because they're different, and they feel different, and yeah. some of them are a little more aggressive and and all that. But they're still from Jesus for mm. a call to his church, not a non Christian. Mm-hmm. This is literally to the church, yeah. like these letters are written to. So that brings up for me an interesting question that I hadn't really planned to ask, but. Um, since I'm sure people are hungry for content. Um, 
how do you sort of think about this concept of like a red letter Christian or like a red letter mm, theology, meaning, yes, we are not saying that Jesus didn't say these things to John through a vision, but um, it is slightly deprioritized under the gospel, mm-hmm. under the synoptic gospels sure. or, or Paul, like genius of the faith, absolutely had an inter- like a miraculous encounter with Jesus and Jesus absolutely like as the Christ put him in a place to write these letters and teach us. But like it should all be filtered first through the quote unquote red letters, which is like sure. the, the word, which in depending on what Bible you have, they are red letters in Revelation. Right. But yeah. um, the the synoptic like version of Christ's teachings. Do you do you order them in such a way? Do do you sort of triage them at all, or do you see them as equal? Like what Jesus says in Matthew six is equally important as what's Revelation what John says that yeah Jesus yeah. says. In. I didn't used to, but I do now. Oh, okay. What um, made you change? I, uh, I, th- I think. Well, one, it's funny you mentioned like the red letter in Revelation because, like, I, I remember looking at a translation. This was a few years ago, uh, where I saw it, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Huh, I don't think I've ever thought about it that way." Yeah. You know, and if I if I'm if I'm down with the red letters in Matthew yeah. and Mark, Luke, and John, mm-hmm. should I? Th- then I got to treat these the same way mm. in that manner, mm-hmm. you know? And so that did actually shift for me a few years ago where I started kind of seeing it in, in the same light, mm-hmm. you know? And that did, that was a shift though. I didn't, I didn't, you know, it's funny. Cause like, even like people are like, it's all the, it's all the word of God. And, mm-hmm. and it, yes, mm-hmm. I, I believe all that to be true, but there is something special about what Jesus teaches and what he says, you know? Sure. And so, so even when Jesus teaches, like, I might look at something Paul says, and yes, it's in the Word of God, and I believe that. Do I hold it with the same manner of like what with Jesus teaches? I don't like. I I always go back to what Jesus taught. Yeah, you know, so yeah, because they're pulling from that anyway. But mm, interesting. Do you feel like one builds on the other? Like obviously, Revelation wouldn't make much sense out of the context of the Synoptic Gospels. Yeah. Or do you feel like they are? I don't want to say equal footing, but. Does one build off of the other? I think the entire Bible builds off itself. Like mm, okay. even when you look at uh, Revelation, he makes over I think it's six hundred references to the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and he does a lot of. John does something really interesting in Revelation. He, um, a lot of scholars believe he intentionally makes grammatical errors. Interesting. Um, around some of the things he's using. So, so for instance, he might describe something like. like for instance, in Revelation two, uh, verse twenty six, it it talks about how um, about the healing of the nations, and he's actually going back to Psalm two. Mm-hmm. But in other places, he'll do something where like it, it'll be oh, he's referencing Psalm two, let's say. Mm-hmm. But then the way he uses some of the grammar, it's like, or is he referencing Isaiah or Joel or? Mm-hmm. And so he does it intentionally. They believe he does it intentionally mm-hmm. to make the reader or listener, whatever, um, reflect on all of these other Old Testament stories mm-hmm. and, and to be like, hey, this is like a culmination of all of these things. And mm-hmm. so it's all building on itself. Mm-hmm. And so it it's essentially, it's the beauty. Listen, I love Andy Stanley, mm-hmm. you know, but like I never liked when he said, you know, we need to unhinge ourselves from the Old Testament or unhinge yeah. ourselves from the Old Testament. Old Testament. Actually, like, there's very little I disagree with him on, but that was one thing I like. I adamantly like disagreed with him mm-hmm. on that part. I understood what he was trying to say, but like you, 
you don't get revelation without like digging into the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Like you don't like, and it's okay to have to dig in mm-hmm. and study. And I know he was trying to get more like get him introduced to everything. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is the whole Bible like builds on itself and that's the beauty of it. And that's the brilliance of it. And it's so, it's telling this one big story and deeply connected into um, uh, one another. Like we'll see when we get into like Revelation, I think it's six, seven, eight, Mm -hmm. even through like, through chapter 16, um, there's like certain like little lines John uses Mm -hmm. that show he's repeating these lines on purpose about this earthquake that happens and all this other stuff. But what he's doing is he's, he's just, he's repeating the cycle to show you this is the cycle of humanity. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times people are like, what does seven trumpets mean? What does seven, he's like, no, he's just, he's just showing the cycle of humanity, Mm -hmm. but within it, he's like tying it back into Exodus. Mm -hmm. And he's doing these things to be like, I'm just telling you, this is like, this is humanity yeah. and this is what God, how God responds and all this other stuff. And mm-hmm. so it's all like woven in together and built in together and building on each other. And I think that's the brilliance of it all. Hmm. That's cool. Um, so one thing that you said, uh, well, the thing that we're kind of here to talk about is this idea that America is Babylon or one of the Babylons or, or sort of fills the role of Babylon for us that live in America. Yeah. And you kind of said like, well, if we lived in Russia or some other major power, um, then it would be true there. Um, but America is not a Christian nation. This is obviously, to some people, a new concept or a shocking concept or or a, at least a contentious concept. Sure. Um, because, why do you think that is, though? I have thoughts, but why do you think what saying America is not a Christian nation feels mm, sticky? Yeah, I well, I, it sounds good on the front end because it makes you feel like you're on God's side. Yeah, we're a Christian nation. Yeah, and it's like, you know, somehow we're chosen. Yeah. Somehow we have played this special role. Somehow there's a sacredness to um, the the development, mm-hmm. you know, of America. Um, and that feels really good. It, I, I don't know why it wouldn't, right? Yeah, like, you know, sure. to to be on God's side on something. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's no different than what Rome, Rome did. Like yeah. when they were... They were saying we are on we are the blessing from Zeus because look mm-hmm. at our land, mm-hmm. look at our money, look at our power, look at our like clearly the gods are on our side, you mm-hmm. know. And it's the same mindset. We just when Jesus was attached to, you know, the start of all of this, going back to the doctrine of discovery, mm-hmm. you know, in the late fourteen hundreds, and, and there's a lot of horrific elements to that whole thing. That Jesus was kind of a part of it, but um, and essentially it was like. If you're a Christians, you had, you had the and I am oversimplifying this, y'all. But you had the right to to take over someone else's land because you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As like a you, missionary, yeah, yeah, you know. And so, um, and so that got infused into the thinking, mm-hmm. uh, eventually, of America. And yeah. um, it took a while to get to that spot, but th- that was part of what was engrafted into um, everything. And so, um, it it just feels good. It it feels like you have the power. It feels. And so when you, um, in the language that we've all grown up with, you know, with like, uh, and, and even like you and I, but like, even like way before us, yeah, the language sure. of, yeah. you know, things that are associated with somehow God and country and God and America and, and, you know, the founding fathers mm-hmm. were in their faith. And it's like, yeah, I mean, some of them are Christian, but yeah. not all of them are. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it, and it's funny because it's like, I'll never like when I've said this before and people have gotten mad, you know, or, or whatever, that 
I'm not saying Christian hasn't influenced America, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, or done some really good things in America, or I'm not, even, or that I'm not thankful for being in America, you know, like none of those things. Um, but it just, I think people just like it feels good to be on God's side. Mm. Yeah, and I think there's something about the freedom of the gospel that is uncomfortable for, mm, if I may, probably particularly white people like me, um, where uh, some of the predominant conversation around race in the past 20 years has been about how whiteness is like being white is not a race. It's like the lack of having a race Mm -hmm. where it's like the sort of space in between ethnicities, (laughs) you know, Um, or it's being freed from maybe the like the need to have a race or whatever, but uh, that we lack sometimes cultural identity. So we need to be something. Mm -hmm. So Christian becomes like an ethnicity. I'm Christian or I'm Catholic or whatever. And that is true for some faiths in some ways. Like you can convert to um, Islam, but it would be hard to call yourself an Arab uh, unless you were a race sure. uh, of Arab descent, right? Sure. Or like, but there's something to like Jewish or Muslim that has an ethnic identity to it that Christianity sometimes want Christendom sometimes desires, I think, mm-hmm. um, and doesn't have though because it's kind of you know Jesus didn't come to replace religion but like complete it or like finish yeah. finish it or yeah um what does paul say about scripture like to fulfill scripture yeah and so uh, the the idea of having a christian nation feels like well that's like our in the same way you can have a muslim nation or a jewish nation or or a it's like our identity yeah not as much what we believe yeah well it's the ability to have cultural christianity is what you're describing like yeah. in, or as Michael Gorman would say, a civil religion. Like civil there's, religion. The, it's easy to do that, and every empire does. Like yep. you, you know, you 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 kind of move into that space, yeah. and uh, and so it just so happens that Christianity was America's, yeah. you know, and it is easy to be a cultural Christian. Yeah, and that kind of I think in some ways segues us into the bigger question of, okay, well, could we be a Christian nation? How what would that look like? <laughs> um, because when you say every empire has a civil religion, that's correct, I think, uh, or I agree with you. Um, and it's because um, empires, and I would argue governments in general, is really, it's about control. Um, it's about, like, we can control your mind with what you're taught. We can control your body with our military, and we control your heart. The only way we can control your heart is by, like, offering some sort of spiritual sure religion and we can't if it's the wild out of control religion of i don't know just love your neighbor as yourself and like follow jesus that doesn't really offer much control to or a nothing government body yeah or nothing yeah. at all it doesn't offer any yeah like it if you're just like there's offers, nothing yeah <laughs> right yeah it doesn't offer yeah yeah, yeah. if you, yeah. you can't have a atheist uh civil religion because right. then it's like well how do i control you if you just are don't believe in anything right yeah. how do i control your heart you know, right. and yeah. your emotions. And so, yeah, it is a, it's a necessary part of, um, necessary part of having an empire. Yeah. This kind of brings me to the question of, I think before we can answer, could you have a Christian nation? Could we be a Christian nation? Has there ever been a Christian nation? You have to kind of put the word on trial, Christian and nation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think we started to do that with Christian. Is Christian something you are, or is it like a way you act? What, is it an ethnicity? Is it a is it a civility? Is it, what is it? I think yeah. you really got to answer that for yourself because if it's just a box you tick for like this is the kind of place I go on Sunday, uh, I think that's why we've gotten to where we're at. Yes. So if somebody asks you, "Hey, pastor, what 
what is being a Christian? What it like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you know, you you obviously orient your life to the reality and the truth of who Jesus says that He is, and you believe in His death and resurrection, and you dedicate your life imperfectly following Him, mm-hmm. and um, that is your centering point of all you are, mm-hmm. um, all you believe in, and uh, and that's where y- you you see your hope in, and you, that's what that's where it all rests. And so to make it something that you casually engage in goes against the entire premise of Christianity, (laughs) you know, to, um, just simply to your point, check a box goes against the entire fabric of what we have in scripture, what we understand of the disciples, what we know of this early church, like Mm -hmm. all that stuff. It, it's literally the exact opposite. And I wonder if the reason we can't quite grasp that is because in some ways Christ frees us of, you know, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Mm-hmm. There's no, the slave and free man and woman. It kind of frees us from tribal identity. But also if you've lived in a pen your whole, if a sheep lives in a pen its whole life and then you open the gate and you're like, you're free to go. <laughs> How well are they going to do? You know, like it's kind of scary, really. Sure, yeah. um, so it's like the fear of like, well, then it's a popular thing, especially in the '90s. It was, but I think still to say like my identity is in Christ. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's kind of that like following Christ is deprioritizing having an identity, uh, <laughs> or or like having the sort of like superficial identity of tribal association, yeah. if that makes sense. And that yeah. that's uncomfortable. So we kind of cling to this idea of Christian as a as an adjective rather than as a verb. Yeah. That's an interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. I, when I think about the people who are the, like that I look up to, mm-hmm. you know, and like their faith and I've seen them like live it out. It, a centering point is it, it always like they, they have like a lot of like Jesus as their center, like, mm-hmm. you know, and they talk about it, they build off of it. They, and so for them, it's like to say, I don't want to, I don't want my identity to be in money or work or whatever. It's not that they're just trying to avoid that. It's like they have found this hope and life in Jesus Mm -hmm. and what that means. And so looking at those other things, though they might be attractive, Mm -hmm. though they might tempt and sometimes you have engaged in it. It's like they just keep going back to the centering point, you know, and, and there's a surrender, a humility, a commitment, um, that's all there within that, not perfection, mm-hmm. but there's this deep desire and longing for it that's there. Yeah, yeah. So that's Christian. Now, nation. What? what how would you describe a nation to somebody? Yeah, um, this is a leading question because I have an answer, <laughs> but I want to hear yours first. Well, what is you, a nation? It's a construct in some kind of way, right? Like it's yeah, kind of made know, it up. You make up borders and you you do all that thing. Um, and then you create a system or systems yeah. that are designed institutionally to provide certain things for people, mm-hmm. um, economic status, political status, social networking, mm-hmm. education, you know, all those things. And, uh, and then ideally that nation is put together of a grouping of people that are trying to thwart evil, mm. you know, um, that would be the, the role of the government. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in the establishment of that. And then you have your own little treaties and, mm-hmm. you know, policies, but, um, that's how I would see mm. in, in the established, like a, a rule of life, so to speak as well within that. To thwart evil. That's interesting. Where did you get that? 
or like where'd you hear that or come up with that well technically that's biblical right it's romans 13 but okay. um as in terms of like you see like the role of the government but i think if if i were being like that's what I would expect if I were if I'm going to start a nation. Yeah, <laughs> I, if I was going to start one. Yeah. If I was going to start a nation, like one of the things I would say to my people would be like, "If someone tries to come in here, we're going to help out." Yeah, you know what I mean, and 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 try and yeah. push this out. Yeah, that's good. I guess I've always kind of understood the definition of a nation state as an entity that manages to monopolize violence is the basis of any nation. Like it's an ability of whether it's a ruling class or a democracy or whatever of a group of people getting able to being able to first get together and say, okay, here are the people who are allowed to do violence and you have to believe that we're doing it for the right reasons to secure our land, our families, our whatever. Mm -hmm. And no one else is allowed to do violence. So basically it's the, it's the old sort of like philosophical conundrum of like, why can you kill someone in war and it not be murder and kill somebody on the street and it'd be murder, sure. right? Yeah. It's a monopoly of, of violence, meaning like we centralize the ability to do violence and hope that less violence will happen, I guess would, would be the thing. Because at the end of the day, taxes, treaties, so on and so forth, really kind of all boils down to, if you don't do this, we'll take your body and put it somewhere. Sure. Not your dead body necessarily, but like we yeah. have the ability to take you and put you in jail if you don't pay your taxes or we have the ability to whatever, like we, the nation state, right? Like has the ability to have a monopoly on violence. It's okay for us in our wisdom or maybe in the people's wisdom, if it's like a perfect democracy, to decide when and where we do violence for what purpose in the hopes of consolidating it to a minimum. Hopefully it won't happen much. Like this is the wheel of the sword right. thing. And you all though are not allowed to do violence to each other anymore. Does that make sense? Yes. I No, I, I mean, I see that as an element of a nation for sure. Um, my guess would be the people starting the nation would think they're also doing good. Yeah, and are also really good at violence. <laughs> sure we're really good at violence so we're going to do the violence <laughs> and violence is not always killing like again it's just the ability of yeah. like your body is going here whether you want it to or not because sure. of xyz reason i understand what you're saying yeah, yeah you it's the it's probably the more negative tone to yeah. approach it but, uh yeah. so then that yeah that's kind of a thing of yeah like, no i get it <laughs> how can you i remember obama one time kind of got a lot of flack for it and this is when he was running maybe even for Senate. It might not even be for president, but somebody asked him about like, how do your biblical, you know, are you a Christian? He said, yes. How do your biblical values like play into your candidacy? And he was like, mm. and people got really mad because he was kind of like, I don't know. He was honest. And he was like, I don't know. And they were like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, if I go to the joint chiefs of staff and tell them we're going to turn the other cheek, they're not really going to listen to me. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. I don't, you know, and that's oversimplistic, but I remember that as a moment of authenticity that I was kind of like, he's not wrong. Like, yeah. how does that work? Yeah. How do you how do you like wield national uh, power in a way that is bi biblical? Yeah. And is it possible? Well, therein lies the conundrum so many times when we're talking about this stuff, right? Because you can't, um, you can't suspend your beliefs. Like if you can, if you can suspend your faith in Jesus, uh, I, I mean, I don't know how you do that as a follower of Jesus, right? Like you, mm -hmm. that, it informs all that we do. So when someone's like, anyone is like, well, when I get in the room with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, like I'm not going to, yeah. I've got to like think about the nation first. And it's mm -hmm. like, I don't know, man. I don't, like yeah. that's why we only have like Daniel and Joseph doing this well, you yeah. know, like in the Bible yeah. that, and, and it's really hard. So I think even in those instances, it's like, can in a situation of a war, 
can there be a biblical element of justice or the thwarting of evil? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that can hypothetically be there as like a last resort. Because I even think Romans 13, I think, would show that as like mm-hmm. a government can be in place to to mm-hmm. do something like that. And is it possible that in a scenario that six nations are coming against this one other nation and another nation comes in to like defend and push back? Mm-hmm. Is that a, a, a righteous thing to do in a scenario? I, I think you could make an argument, sure. obviously. Yeah. And so it's it's not that... That's not a reality, but like that's that's nations. Like that's what happens yeah. with countries and empires, and like that's just its reality. Yeah. And so, you can't have a pacifist nation per se, you know, um, in that way. But yeah, and that becomes the thing, right? Or yeah, is could you? Okay, so yeah, there's six countries coming against it. You know, the, what's happening in Ukraine is the answer for the nation to send a bunch of people to lay down and die for the Ukrainians. <laughs> like, sure. No, you fight. Like yeah. that's what, you, yeah. or it's, you don't, you know, those, super, are your, those are kind of your options. It's way messier than we ever make it out to be. Right? Oh my gosh. Like, it's yeah. like a, yeah, totally. But at the, at the core of it, it kind of makes me feel like it, it would be hard to be a nation, to be a large governing body that is like Christ. I think the bo- that's why the body of Christ is the church, not, because the church is rarely or ever called on to yeah. do something with violence to help somebody else. Correct. No, I think it's impossible. Yeah. I, so I now the the most uh, you could argue the most Christ like thing to do as a nation, but I don't know you could be a Christian nation, yeah. right? Like so, so. Like let's just use war for example. If uh, we go and bomb, like, well, what? All right, let's just talk about Iraq for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll actually say this. Again, the sunny, but like, you know, they were bomb on some of the bomb briefings when they're going to go bomb other countries. Like they put Bible verses on them, right? Mm -hmm. And like pray that God would bless them. And it's Mm -hmm. like, that sounds good on the front end, but on the back end of the bombing and people being killed, don't think that that's very Christ-like, you know, especially when the fact that there were Iraqi Christians that got killed by some of the bombs. And so you're like, man, this is super complicated. But at the same time, we understood maybe why some of these things were happening like Mm -hmm. in the world. And so it's like, well, what is the Christ-like response? I, I don't remember if it was... Shane Claiborne or Preston Sprinkle said this, but one day they were saying like, it's like, man, if something happened in a war and um, so America goes in and let's say they're in Ukraine, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and they go and they help Ukraine and they fight against Russia and they do all this stuff. Well, instead of just trying to kill people and everything, they, they push Russia back. And then what they decide to do is like, we're going to help your infrastructure, build your roads, mm-hmm. make your schools better, help you in medical and like kind of go over the top in generosity and make you better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like if you like that would like get us in the direction of like loving our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. um, but that I mean, that's obviously that's never going to happen. Yeah. But uh, that's conceptually that would be like, how do you love your neighbor in the midst of war? It's like. That is the direction you'd have to go. That's oh, the redemptive justice versus punitive justice. Yeah. Like the reason Hitler was always going to be Hitler, but he wasn't going to run the country if they hadn't been uh, devastated economically by the First World War and and not rebuilt. So it it made it perfect soil for somebody there like Hitler things. to come yeah. in. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I. It's funny. Like I looked up, what is the best nation to live in, or whatever. It's consistently <laughs> rated Switzerland, sure. which is funny because they are no, like, oh, I'm Switzerland yeah, in this yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. They are not. They have guns and weapons and stuff, yeah. but they they are known as the not pacifist nation, but the uh, conscious middle objector, middle ground, or whatever. <laughs> and apparently, that is mostly from the articles I'm reading. It's about 
it is about that, but it's all mostly about decentralization. So it's smaller, which there's an argument to be tied into biblical narrative there too, of like, um, Hey, pillar of fire at night, cloud in the, uh, during the day, you don't need a King. Just like follow this thing. <laughs> We're good. Stay who you are, <laughs> like yeah. whatever. And begging and begging and begging for a King. Like but even the, the Israelites couldn't do it. Nope. They experienced and couldn't do it. Like, yep. so there, there is this longing in the human condition, yeah. you know, for these things, for structure and all of that. For a king, and, for centralization, for yeah, growth. security. For like you think all, the, all that, like you, and, and you get it. Mm-hmm. Like that's, again, that's the beauty of the Bible. Like mm-hmm. that's like, you, we are a witness to those stories throughout thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And in particular in Revelation, it's what it's doing. It is chipping away at this story, the human condition of saying, I know, I know, I know you want the king and you want this and you want that, but it doesn't work. Mm. Like we know that end, we know what happens to the empire. Right. And so it's like John through, through the words of Jesus is like really poking the bear, mm-hmm. you know? And he's like, don't do it. Mm. Don't get into this narrative. Don't get into the story. Like keep your edge, keep your distinctiveness. You can, We've seen this command over and over in scripture of like, yeah, 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 love where you live for sure. Like if we live in America, we should love America Mm -hmm. in the sense that we want to make it a great place for people to live. We want to make it our communities great. We want to be so generous and take care of injustice and work in these places and do all that stuff and, and fight against the wrongs that are happening. All of those things like that is the love for our place, but we just don't go along with the culture of it. Mm -hmm. We don't go along with its rule. We don't go along with its way of thinking. Hmm. Do you remember, I, I don't know if you have your notes, but there were bullet points from this past Sunday about like, how do you tell, what, what were those bullet points? The flexibility versus assimilation? Yeah, how do you tell that you're like assimilating or how yeah. do you tell, one of them was like something about greed. So I, I think this is what you're talking about. I said flexibility is kingdom first, assimilation, empire first. Mm-hmm. Flexibility is Jesus-centered, assimilation, self-centered. Flexibility builds grace, discipline, wisdom. Assimilation builds judgment, chaos, and foolishness. Mm. Flexibility keeps us on a journey. Assimilation makes us think we've already arrived. Is that what you're talking about or, or a different one? No, it's the other one. You, uh, one of them, oh, 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 you're yeah, convinced, yeah. you become convinced. How do you that, get people to assimilate? That's how do you I'm get thinking. people to assimilate? Yeah, Tell us like, how you get people to assimilate. Like a corrupted view of sexuality, okay. um, a fixation on power, um, acceptable greed. Basically, yeah, yeah. and then you make light of consequences. Make light of consequences. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. This idea of like, because the the sort of rigidity that is associated with being a strong Christian versus mm-hmm. like the flexibility that you're um, sort of putting forth is it keeps us from being assimilated. Yeah, um, yeah. and it kind of makes it, it kind of makes you wonder. Like, you think about. Um, there are, I, I encountered this in 2020 a little bit, but I, I had some relatives sending me, they were kind of seeing me being involved in, in some of the actions and Black Lives Matter, or not Black Lives Matter, but um, the sort of street level protests for mm-hmm. Black Lives and all of that stuff. And so sending me YouTube videos and scriptures and stuff like that. And one thing I noticed was like a lot of the guys that were like these very, very pro-Trump, very, very like anti-wokeness, whatever, um, they were old Jesus revolution people, hmm. um, which was interesting to me. Cause I was like, that's not the way I would have thought that you'd gone. They had yeah. like kind of made their way in that scene on the West coast. And now they're all buttoned down and they have their conservative sure. YouTube channel or yeah. whatever. And it really made me think of like, um, maybe the rigidity, the lack of flexibility 
can start as non-assimilation, can start as like, I, you know, we live in the woods and we have this little like house church and we are off the grid or mm -hmm. whatever. But the rigidity of you one way or the other makes you a good puzzle piece so that eventually you fit well. Sure. <laughs> Depending on how the puzzle yeah. around you changes, right? Yeah. Whereas fluidity kind of makes you hard to hit, a hard target to hit for whatever the next yeah. thing and whatever the next phase is, whether the government becomes really conservative or progressive or whatever, if you have this sort of flexibility as a person of faith, you're able to sort of, you know, Bruce Lee used to say, like, be like water, <laughs> yeah. you know, be like yeah. water, my friend, yeah. right? Um, you can I, live in any space. Yeah, you can kind of fit into yeah. whatever container you're in, yes. not in a way that you lose your waterness, correct? but in the way that like, it's harder to assimilate you into whatever's going yeah. on at the moment. It's why the message of Jesus works in all seasons, all places, all scenarios. Mm -hmm. Like it, it just, it works. Like when, when there's a, you know, when they talk about like uh, the spirituals of the slaves, mm -hmm. it's like, well, what was that? It was the message of the hope in Exodus, mm -hmm. the liberation element, the reality, Jesus having power over death, mm -hmm. you know, and, and having, uh, writing music to that in the midst of trials and suffering and, and holding on to this hope. So it works in that. Mm -hmm. It can work in times of wealth and great, you know, power and celebration yeah. and all that stuff. And and so it works in free countries. It works in, you know, places like North Korea. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, so it, it, it works. It's, mm -hmm. it's, there's a, to your point, there's a fluidity to the reality and the truth of Jesus, if you there, allow there to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it even makes me think of your bullet points with the like, how do you assimilate people? And what was the first one about sexuality? So yeah, corrupted view of sexuality. A corrupted view of yeah. sexuality. So it's like the rigidity of sex is bad, sex is a sin, sex is dirty, we don't talk about it, whatever. The rigidity of that flipped to the rigidity of like, it's all good. Right. Everything's yeah, absolutely. It's all good. Everybody's whatever fine. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And which is now like flipped back to sort of you and I have had conversations off mic about the Me Too movement, which is now feels old, but yeah, like, yeah. you know, the and the whole like, how did the sexual revolution lead to even more progressive people coming back to being like, well, you shouldn't do that. Too far. Like, yeah, that's yeah, kind of yeah. gross. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. don't do that. Like, yeah. um, and then the, the economic, the, the economics thing stood out. Cause I think the way you said it in the sermon was you become convinced that greed is good and yeah. greed is good was the famous line from um, uh, Wall Street, Wall Street, the yeah. movie Wall Street. Yeah. But this idea, and I won't go off on my whole thing cause you guys know the deal, but this idea, I have been thinking a lot about the crap I give capitalism and how I am always <laughs> down on capitalism. But I've been reading, I was reading some stuff about um, some like Senate hearings in the 60s that, around economics and how drastically capital capitalism changed. It used, there was a sort of, um, not compassion to it, but a sort of hope to it of like, yes. there was this Senate committee in 1968 or 1967 that basically said they were assessing like technology. And they were basically like, if we keep on this path, by 1988, um, the average American will work 20 hours a week, 27 weeks a year. It's right. going to be great. We're yeah. going to have so much time to like write poetry and go fishing and be with our families. And like, what did we do with the technology? Yeah. We figured out a way to work 60 hour weeks. Right. <laughs> um, and, and so it was like this kinder, gentler sort of like capitalism is going to help us like be more human or whatever. But then the shift to this idea of greed is good, which really for me kind of stems from like a rising tide raises all ships which I think was a well-intentioned at first, but really was translated by the culture of like, it's good for you to be richer because then the poor people get less poor, sure. not the rich get richer and the poor get yeah. poor. So that really stuck out to me of like, maybe it's not capitalism pre-1970 something. And maybe it was more of like what it became yeah. when it the was that, that narrative of like, get richer so that you can 
give more or trick trickle right. down economic type stuff. Yeah, I mean, I th- yes, I think there's elements of yeah. If you said pure-hearted capitalism, would it work? Sure. Yeah. Well, pure-hearted communism would work. Yeah, you know, so it's like a, it, but it's like you, you know, you you get into this space around it where you're like, and this is what I like when I made that comment about like is so- socialism biblical or capitalism biblical, whatever. You know, it's like. Yeah, I mean, you can find elements of all of them within scripture, but there's, but there's, the point is, is like none of them suffice. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, and that's why I brought up the the reality of like what would happen if our church gave ten percent. Mm-hmm. You know, and and being like, hey, for us as a church, that gives us eight or nine more million dollars to help people in the city. If you find the other ten churches that are roughly our size in our city that are, you know. Um, uh, and they're not a lot of churches our size. So it's like, that's roughly about $100 million we could combine together to help our city. That doesn't matter what economic system we're in. Like, mm-hmm. we can make a huge difference to the the, the heart of generosity, right? Like, mm-hmm. so so even, like, systematically, some of these things are just, like, taking a step back and being like, hold on a second. Like, is this, like, have I just kind of assimilated to the way? And it's so, and it's so easy to do with money. Oh, yeah. That's probably the, e- e- I mean, the- not it, the slippery slope, but it's the lowest hanging fruit. It's, yes, of like it's how, the easiest thing to yeah, do. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Any other thoughts, questions, comments, concerns? No, I. You know, this has been a fun and overwhelming series for me to do, like with just like studying everything. But I, I'd, it's been also super convicting. Um, honestly, like as going through all this stuff and just seeing the beauty of what John did and brilliance, and um, we have a long way to go, but mm-hmm. um. I think there's gonna be a lot of challenges to like how we see our world, how we see our role in this world, how we see um, how we've gotten impacted by American culture and we haven't even realized it, Mm. you know, all those things. Mm. And so it'll be a fun next six or seven more weeks. But yeah, it's definitely the idea of like understanding better how we've been impacted by certain things on some level is like explaining to a fish that it's wet. Like (laughs) you really have to start questioning like, uh, Oh, really? Have I been yeah. shaped by the Enlightenment? Have I been shaped by postmodernism? Have I been shaped by capitalism yeah. or neoliberalism or all these like isms? Yeah. And uh, I think there's a lot of growth there. When you can kind of, when again, when a fish can realize it's wet, uh, it's a lot, it's got a leg up. Yeah. No pun intended. So if you have questions, comments, quips, quotes, or concerns, you can email them to stay curious at hillcityrva.com. I promise it's not a black hole of an email. We do get your emails. Our friend Bree keeps sending really good emails and we haven't gotten to them yet, but I know them. Um, and if you get a second, rate and review us and and share the podcast because apparently it's a huge inroad to our community uh, that we're forever realizing different levels of that. Um, we are super excited to be back. We thank you guys for being here. And remember, as always, until next time, to stay curious. curious.